0: to another episode of Once More with Commentary. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And today we're so excited because we're starting season two of Buffy. I'm so excited. We're finally getting into the good
1: stuff. All the good episodes.
0: Yes. <laughs> the um, show is
1: good now, we promise.
0: <laughs> we made our way through season one and we survived. And mm-hmm. now we're ready to really get into why the show matters to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
1: I think we came out with mostly positive feelings about season one. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah,
0: you know, I really did. Like surprisingly, like I don't know if I changed my opinion or if I forgot that I had a more favorable opinion of it, but like I, <laughs> it wasn't like the worst thing I ever made myself do. So yeah, it was great. I mean, okay, okay. I
1: actually I str- straight out enjoyed it. The movie was the worst thing I made myself. The movie do in a was the only thing I didn't enjoy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you thinking about us starting season two as sort of like? season two of the show. Sorry, that's an unclear way to say that. What I mean is I hope our listeners will feel like our show improves the way that Buffy improved on season two. Yes. Well, so there's some parallels, like how we recorded all of it at once and then started releasing it just like the show did.
0: Yes. I was going to say that we recorded <laughs> all of season one in a vacuum and then released mm-hmm. it out into the world.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: pu- like, feedback's been pretty positive. I'm pretty excited about it. From all of our close, close personal friends. You mean uh, our lesson? harshest yes. critics? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. Hey, my harshest critic loves it, so. You're, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's one harsh critic. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but, like, so this season we'll be doing a couple episodes in advance and then hopefully recording a little more in real time. Um, mm-hmm. So we won't have, like, two-month-old references and everyone's going to, like, really wonder where we've been for, like, <laughs> <laughs> the last few weeks. Um, But I guess we never really talked about why we did it that way, so. I
1: thought it was mostly
0: just logistics. Well, partly that, but also like trying to get some episodes up and ready because you and I have like pretty heavy travel schedules this summer. That's true. Um, Yes. Okay, also that. Yes. And we wanted to birth this baby into the world. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, We did. Yeah.
1: I'm very excited now that it's out, though. It's weird. So
0: I I have to get better of like promoting it like not not like reluctantly telling people about it but like (laughs) telling them about it in a way that's really positive yeah yeah
1: I was featured in my in a weekly newsletter at work so I'm doing my part
0: well there you go (laughs) well I think we're actually starting a weekly newsletter at work or a monthly one so I should ask what kind of content goes in there We have like
1: every week. You just want a recap of our podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, you could read it on the website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, yeah. So this week we're starting obviously with the first two episodes of season two, and we've got when she was bad. Mm-hmm. And, sorry, but I kind of feel like it should be when she was bitchy, but...
1: <laughs> I have things to say about that, but I'll wait a second. Yeah, You know, before before we actually talk about the, the episode itself, I did want to just talk about the DVD menus. Oh, my I don't God. Think anybody, I don't think anybody else who's watching this is going to choose to watch it on DVDs like we're doing for some reason, but... These, this is where the DVD menus, like, really get good. No, <laughs> season one here's was, the I was kind of so like, like, I don't know why I thought this was so bad. This is just kind of like a traditional menu, but this one is terrible.
0: <laughs> I, okay, so, like, obviously, like, you can watch these. I think they're on Hulu. Like, you can find these online. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I mean, it's like, yes, I really want to use this DVD set that I bought like 10 years ago. <laughs> and the, the upsell is like no ads, like there's none of that. But I like, I knew the menus are bad, but like season one is like really misleading in that you're like, oh, these aren't as bad as I thought they were. Like I must be yeah, remembering yeah, wrong. Just... And then you get into season two and there are three menus to even get to the play button.
1: Yes, there are. And they're it's... all like CGI animated graveyards. <laughs>
0: With like really loud music. Like yeah. I was watching something on Netflix the other day. And I didn't realize that the DVD player on my computer was on. And I kept was like, what is this really dramatic music that's in the background? Like, this is really <laughs> odd. And then I realized it's the stupid Buffy DVD menu. <laughs> uh,
1: they're great, though. Although I haven't, I, the, I guess the real reason that I'm watching it on DVD is because I was hoping to watch like commentary or any extras, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I don't know if there are any on season two. Um, let's
0: see. Just what do through I The have? book okay. that I
1: have, there weren't, there weren't any.
0: Well, I've got the special collection, so... Yeah, I know.
1: I know. Um, You're special.
0: There's some audio commentaries on a few episodes and special okay. interviews with Joss Whedon, which I've learned to realize is like a 30-second clip talking mm-hmm. about something. And then... Okay, maybe I'll um, have to re-explore
1: my, my DVD.
0: Designing Buffy, apparently, featurette. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, it's really weird how, the out, of lo- how to, out of order they put it, because... Like, the commentary and the interviews are definitely about this season, but then Designing Buffy, there's a, a Beauty and the Beasts featurette, but that's a season oh. three episode. Yeah. So that's weird. Get, jumping no, ahead that's a little. season. No, that's season two. Beauty and the Beasts? Yeah. No, that's season three.
1: That Jekyll one? Oh, you're right, because she references Angel. Okay.
0: That's the big return. Right.
1: You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, well, in other good news, I bought my DVDs on eBay because where else are you going to get used DVDs? And the seller accidentally sent me season two of Angel, and I was like, what the heck is going on? And I emailed, and then they just sent me season two of Buffy, but they didn't ask for Angel back, so
0: I think I get to keep that. got that one ready to go. I guess, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be fun if we end up doing Angel, too. Like, I need to figure out how I'm going to watch that because I don't have that on DVD. Mm. Um, Yeah. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, we're doing uh, when she was, yeah, when she was bad, and then we'll talk about some assembly required, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which I, um, you know, that's another one that, like, I think I remembered it a little more than I remember, like, Nightmares or, Mm -hmm. um, like, Never Kill a Boy, but, like, yeah, it's It's a little bit forgettable. Yeah, it's the, it's kind of your typical, like, second episode of, like, welcome back to this world, like, nothing mm-hmm. big is happening, just, like, a random, like, monster of the week kind of thing. Yeah, um, for
1: sure. Yeah. But it's definitely way better than the most of the ones like that in season one, I thought.
0: Yes. I mean, they've definitely learned how to kind of make the monsters... I don't know if you, like, I want to say, like, you feel more for them, but this one was mm-hmm. certainly, like, more sympathetic and scary and... Also, yeah. the episode was just really funny, but um, yeah. first we could talk about okay. when she was bad. When she was bad. Yes. Um, yeah. Which... So, uh, Okay, go
1: ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to do a little recap of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffy's been in LA all summer with her staying with her dad after defeating the master in Sunnydale. Um, and then she's been, you know, questionably dealing with kind of the f- emotional fallout of that. Uh, meanwhile, in Sunnydale... There haven't really been there hasn't been any supernatural activity. They haven't seen any vampires. Um, so Willow and Xander have just been hanging out one on one. Obviously, Willow still has her crush on Xander, and he's still m- largely oblivious. So I've got some questions about that. Um, so Buffy comes back, and immediately <laughs> another vampire shows up. Uh, and then, yeah, they just kind of the episode kind of continues. Buffy's attitude seems to have changed considerably. She's being a lot meaner. She's being Weird with Angel, like, she doesn't really want to talk to him. She's mean to Xander and Willow. She's bitchy to Cordelia. Um, And then in the background, you know, the master's been killed, but the very irritating anointed one remains for for who knows what reason. So he convinces this little gang of vampires that they should go dig up the the master's bones because they can reincarnate him somehow. Um, And then they trick uh, Buffy and all of her friends they get Buffy alone and she thinks that they're setting up a trap for her. But in fact, they're trying to kidnap anybody who was standing in close proximity to the master when he died, which was Cordelia Giles, um, Willow and miss calendar. Uh, but of course everybody, she comes through at the end, she saves the day and she gets to finally face kind of her fears about the master, or at least she confronts them a little bit and pummels his bones.
0: Look, that seems like a great therapy session, like just sledgehammering yeah. bones into dust. Kind of a slower dusting than usual, but... You
1: know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did I miss anything important so, in that?
0: No, you didn't. You Probably. pretty much covered it, although I did want to ask if your mm-hmm. DVDs also had like a recap of season one. It did. Okay. Yeah. And was what was interesting to me was, especially given this episode is dealing very... Um, very prominently, basically with like Buffy's essential like PTSD over dying, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. recap was like almost entirely about the Buffy Angel like romance. Yeah, which that's telling was though. also hardly part of season one. It's barely in there. Yeah. yeah, and then they talk about oh yeah, she died. Moving on. Next, also, she died. Next like, <laughs> I just felt like that was a little bit like off balance, like. You're right and that I think they're trying to kind of show where the focus might be going. But also, yeah. like, if you are tuning in for the first season or for the first time for season two, you've got a really wrong idea of what went down in the last it's true. 12 episodes. But, um, you know, honestly, that's one of my pet peeves with recaps
1: like that anyway. I feel like this always happens in Game of Thrones where it's like, depending on what they show you, you know what's going to happen because it's like, well, you wouldn't be pointing this out if it weren't going to immediately right. come back. So it's like, yeah, it's so telling the way that they edit those. So, <laughs> tip from Ginny when you watch TV shows is skip those unless
0: unless you really want to really be, be spoiled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. again,
1: I do watch them sometimes, but
0: yeah. So um, yeah, so this episode there's kind of a lot to unpack, I think. Because um, mm-hmm. you're kind of I resetting mean, the table a little bit. Exactly. Um, yeah. In, in a lot ways they they kind of ways, they are. It's like it's another kind of pile. yeah, because you've got this <laughs> yeah. whole history of 12 episodes, but also it's kind of the, cl- the show coming back and saying, okay, well, we put these 12 episodes out. Now we know what people thought of them, what they liked, what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Now we know where we want to go and what we want to do. And it does feel like a slightly different show. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Buffy looks does, different. Yeah. Um, everything's a little slicker looking, like the production, yeah. like maybe they got more money. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think their sets are
1: definitely bigger. You know, the high school isn't all one hallway now.
0: Yeah. Like there's like that. They've got
1: like three hallways. Student lounge
0: area. and <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, but it's also a little bit like, okay, we're coming back. But then the characters are kind of coming back together. Like they've been apart for the summer. You mm-hmm, know, They really mm-hmm. didn't know each other that long. These like really true. Traumatic things happened. So you can True. kind of sense like a little bit of unease of like, you know, we're coming back, we're friends, but like we don't really know, like we can't like jump quite back into it. Um, mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of that has to do with Buffy's attitude, but also like Willow and Xander are in a different place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Giles is kind of there, but like, you know, it's interesting, like Buffy's not eager to like jump right back into this close relationship with him. Like Willow's like, right. oh, did you see Giles yet? And she's like, why would I do that? Um, right. It, but yeah, a but lot everybody, of everybody kind of like coming back together.
1: Yeah. And, it, and again, like the episode itself is clearly trying to reintroduce or just reestablish who everybody is. Like everybody, again, kind of like in the pilot, they all get their like intro shot of like where they get to say one thing that perfectly encapsula- encapsul- encapsulates hmm, who they are. Why did I want I so to trouble try that, that again. <laughs> uh, now I think it's going to get worse. Perfectly shows who they are. <laughs> like you know, Cordelia comes on screen and says something that's kind of ditzy but hilarious. Like Giles is there talking about the students. Principal Snyder says the students are locusts. Like they all just get a like one. You know, Angel's first thing is that he's lurking and he gives her a bad omen. Like.
0: Okay, grave warning. lurking is one way to put it. Um, right, he breaks in. <laughs> crawling into her bedroom is a little bit more than lurking, and Angel's, like, You're right. getting into stalker territory.
1: It is creepy that he did that.
0: Yeah, well, I um, like that Buffy didn't really have time for him. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> she should have been like, this is really rude to, like, sit in someone's window while they're sleeping, but.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, I think it definitely functions really well getting the season off off the ground obviously some things have changed but also by the end like everybody's friends again they're all excited not excited but like they're all you know engaged in this mission that they have and and then we're gonna go off
0: i will say one thing that changed i think in a pretty positive way so like obviously buffy's hair is shorter and blonder like she's Mm -hmm. fully blonde now like she's the the true like stereotype of like the tiny blonde girl fighting the monsters (laughs) But also, she seems to be like, you know, like I think Sarah Michelle Gellar was like working out between seasons. Like she seems more oh. like, I don't even want to say like skinnier, but like she seems more fit, which I think in a way hmm. kind of helps make the um, the fight scenes a little bit more, like, like the, it. Maybe there's more that she can do because if like they seemed a little bit more seamless to me, like there wasn't as oh, much obvious like swapping in of like a like her double or. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just wondering if, like, maybe that was, like, a decision that she made of, like, okay, I'm playing this character. Like, I should be, like, believably, like, able to take on, like, these monsters Mm-mm. and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think the kind of the point is, like, she doesn't look like she's, like, you know, some right. kind of, like, street fighter that could, like, take down yeah. the vampires. But she did seem to me, like, you know, in that scene where she was working out with Giles, I was yeah. kind of like, oh, this seems, like, slightly more believable to me now. So, okay.
1: Yeah. I worry that it was just her being in Hollywood longer
0: I mean maybe I'm, it's true maybe <laughs> I'm putting like a positive spin where there really wasn't one like maybe it was like the network <laughs> was like hey you know could you drop a few pounds but like or for because I, she
1: was doing movies in between you know
0: right well I do think not like
1: necessarily this network in between
0: these two seasons was when she did I know what you did last summer
1: or scream she's not she's in not in she's scream. in that she's one. In, you're right I it's know, that one yeah
0: but like the hair right, right, right. that she has, like I think, mm-hmm. is very much the same one. Although I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. seen that one. Um, you're right. Like it could be like that was really what it was, and I'm just assuming it was her being like, "Hey, I should be," you know.
1: I mean, it could be both though. I do think that yes, as the show goes on, I do think all the fight choreography gets better and more yeah. well executed. I mean, I'm, not, so, like, I mean, I'm sure I that she's like picking it's up skills. Z- yeah,
0: bad. Like it sounds like I'm saying Buffy was like you know, overweight in season one, when she most certainly wasn't like, she was definitely Mm -hmm. fine the way she was, but like, Mm -hmm. she just seems a little like there are like actual muscles. She does look different. She's like fighting that little stationary monster thing. (laughs) I don't know. That's probably a real thing. I don't, I don't know what that is. Like dummy. That, yeah. That dummy that she was like punching. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's a real martial arts thing. I think I saw it in, uh, um, the iron fist. So, okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I don't do that stuff. <laughs> um.
1: So yeah. So I. I kind. I want to talk about Buffy's dad. Because yeah. he's also in this episode, kind of like I, he's not really going to show up again after this. Um,
0: this might be a series wrap on Buffy's dad. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, he definitely is in flashbacks in the future. I think. With, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Cause, okay, yeah. Because okay, there's definitely a few episodes where they cut back to him, but I feel like he's kind of out of the picture after this. And it's weird because that. I, so there's a scene where you know she Buffy spent L.A. with her dad. Uh, spent the summer in L.A. with her dad, and so when he's dropping her off, like there's a scene between him and her mom, just kind of talking about how everything was and how they feel about Buffy and how she's been acting. Um, and it seems like they're good, committed parents. You know, like I mean, yeah. he is far away and he. I guess, you know, he's not seeing her frequently enough, but, like, they seem to have an, an okay rapport. I guess it's just a little bit, like, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. Because later they definitely paint him as though he's absentee. Or maybe, I mean, it's because this is the last time he was going to make an effort. And up until this point he was still...
0: I mean I Present. think later they kind of tried to explain it like he's working in Europe or something and like mm-hmm. so like his job took him away whereas like right now I think he's still working and living relatively close and like um, you know the show in some ways is still tied to the this narrative that they've built but like as you go on and like you have less and less like visibility of her dad like he matters less to the story like it, especially more as Giles steps in as like kind of a surrogate father figure so mhm I wonder if that was why they never, like, this is kind of the decision that was made of, like, two father figures is a little too crowded, or if they felt like if he was more absentee, they could focus more on this relationship with Giles. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this is still fairly early. I mean, this is the 13th episode of the show. um, Right. And, yeah, but it is interesting to see her dad in this capacity, because we certainly don't see him like this again, or or even at all. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Because right now her parents, they sound like two divorced parents who are committed to raising a healthy child. Like, yeah. that's the yeah. conversation that we're witnessing. And it's nice yeah. to see, I mean, that they're both concerned, it is, yeah. you know. Like, it was very sweet. Her, th- and they, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that her dad, even, like, even the fact that they don't spend that much time together could still recognize that, like, something was wrong. hmm But. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is the only time we really get to see him in that light. I mean, aside from nightmares where he shows up to take her for the weekend. hmm Um. I think after this, he sort of gets shoved in, like, that not-quite-villain box, but, like, not a hero. I mean, a either. little bit, yeah.
1: He's definitely—I feel like my, my perception of him is negative.
0: But I also think they don't—like, later on when it's decided, like, he's not coming back, like, the show doesn't really do a whole lot to get into why. It's just, like, kind of like a throwaway line, and, like— you know, it's clear that the decision for that is because it's more dramatic if he doesn't come back and help. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: right. Right. Right.
0: And you can't like, focus on this impact on Buffy without this like added impact of like having to take care of a sister so mm-hmm. um I think like in my mind that's probably the reasoning and like so yeah he kind of gets shoved in like this villain box but I mean like that happens on tv shows all the time right like yeah I think a true. really bad example of that right now is like the Mindy project of like Chris Messina deciding oh, I'm not cut up didn't really I'm not caught up okay am I do you want <laughs> me to not tell you
1: Don't tell me. Okay. Well,
0: I will just say that like Christmasina is less and less in the episodes. And like, as a result, his character suffers for that. And you have to Mm -hmm. wonder like, is it because they're subconsciously mad at Christmasina and like trying to like Mm -hmm. kind of shade him in bad lights? Or is it just like, they decide this is the best story that we're going to tell with an absentee actor, you know? Yeah. And, And maybe that's kind of what was going on here. Sorry for Mindy Project spoilers. Yeah,
1: spoilers, yeah. <laughs> also, we are definitely clearly we're talking about stuff that happens not in this episode or even this season. Well, our spoiler
0: works, rules so. are really inconsistent. Oh, I know. Okay, I'm allowed to spoil season six of Buffy, but I can't spoil <laughs> <No>. Mindy Project. <laughs>
1: That's true. I guess because it's because you're spoiling it for me, I don't care about all these other people. Well, um, you better get
0: on watching. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> I know. And I only say the thing about Buffy just because I feel like it's confusing if you only just watched this episode two this season two episode and you're like what the hell are they talking about now obviously we veered a little bit into the future there but um anyway so okay so moving along I mean I do in general I'm interested in kind of Buffy's parenting because kind of I know I mentioned this before I just think that her mom really honestly is doing everything right and it's still just not working out and it's because of this huge piece which is that her daughter is a supernatural superhero that and she could have no way of knowing that until you know at this point she doesn't know any of anything
0: so yeah so um so this is kind of like a nice segue into like you know this is what we know Buffy's been up to over the summer um mm-hmm. and we kind of slowly or not slowly but like we do kind of get to get a sense of like these characters lives outside of like slaying um, mm-hmm. like, what they've been up to over the summer. I think the only one we mm-hmm. don't really get a what I did last summer, um, well, I didn't mean to make a joke there, <laughs> um, is Angel. Like, we don't really know what Angel's been yeah, doing Yeah, who all knows summer. what he's been doing? Um, but, Eating like, rats, Xander and Willow know. have been hanging out, and um, there's an interesting scene in the beginning between the two of mm-hmm. them, which, you know, I kind of... Where they almost kiss. I want to talk about this, because it's like they yeah. do almost kiss, and it's like Xander kind of has this look on his face of, like this realization of like, oh, but then like mm-hmm. the mood immediately gets ruined. Like Willow can't have mm-hmm. nice things because of vampires, essentially. Right. And you know, and then Buffy shows up and then Angels I mean, Xander's all like, oh Buffy again. So Right. It's just I guess a little bit interesting. It is, but I think I think the thing
1: that threw me off about that is um I, I believe I I believed that scene while it was happening, but then the rest of the episode, Xander is so unkind to Willow. You know, in this way that's like, if you knew somebody had feelings for you...
0: Well, she tries to recreate that scene with the ice cream, and he's kind of like, you got something on your nose. he just starts
1: pining for Buffy right in front of her. Like, he... I I would... Up until that moment, I felt like, oh, it's an an okay excuse, I guess, that he's just oblivious, that he doesn't realize this is going on. But because they came... Like, it wasn't like... They didn't share a look where one could extrapolate that they were thinking about kissing each other. They were like a centimeter away from touching lips, you know? So it just, it's weird to me that he, it's not weird, I guess it's just more evidence in my like, Xander is just kind of a jerk and he should, be more sensitive to his best friend like his best friend who he's known
0: since they were small children he's a selfish teenage boy like I honestly is, feel like yeah. there's nothing weird about Xander's behavior I mean like fair. this is yeah. why <laughs> I guess girls you're right. come home <laughs> crying from school all the time like it's just like you know <laughs> yeah. he's not interested in like I mean but at the same time like he is self-aware enough that like when Buffy's kind of like dancing with him that he knows like this is not right. about him like and he's not right. you know so like he does kind of have these varying levels but like yeah he does have this blind spot when it comes to Willow I guess it's just Um, interesting because,
1: again, yes, we should definitely move on to the dance next because I have things to say about it. Well, I do want to talk about
0: what Cordelia was up to all summer, too. Oh, okay, yes. Only because she – I laughed so hard Mm -hmm. when she was talking about (laughs) they were supposed to go to, like, St. Croix or something, and her parents Mm -hmm. took her to Europe, and Mm -hmm. it was, like, all these art and buildings. maybe, yeah. (laughs) And, like, there's a – I have a very clear memory of, like – you know, like, I lived – My dad was in the Army, so, like, we moved around Mm -hmm. a lot as a kid. We lived a few years in Germany, so, like, we did travel to, like, a lot of Europe. Like,
1: you Mm -hmm. know, every
0: weekend we were, like, packing up the car and, like, going on a road trip or, like, spring break going, you know, going somewhere. And, like,
1: you know... Are you about to tell me that you once made the same complaint?
0: Well... I didn't, so, but because I was, like, seven, eight years old, like, obviously, like, Claire and I, like, my sister, like, we wanted to go to, like, Euro Disney, right? Like, that, to us, was like, the pinnacle of, like, travel experience. Mm -hmm. My mother, however, was, like, we're gonna go to Notre Dame, and, like, we're gonna Uh go see, like, every church in every, you know, Italian city, and so one time... You know, I don't remember who was telling, but like they were, we were talking to someone about like how we'd been all these places, and I think we were like ten years old, maybe at that point. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Wow, that's really impressive that like, you know you've seen all that stuff." And I think it was Claire who was just like, "Yeah, she dragged us everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> like Cordelia's attitude and comment about that I was like, "They've been there, lady." <laughs> <laughs> because like it's like obviously her was like she wants to go party on some like caribbean island but like
1: she wants beaches
0: yeah but but, like you know the attitude is like very similar of like but my parents had a culture in mind mm -hmm. (laughs) i just wanted to go party with mickey like you know uh, that made me laugh a lot because i was like i totally i feel like it's weird how much i identify with cordelia Like yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she and I have some very similar life experiences.
1: <laughs> I don't know what to do
0: with that information. <laughs> it's like two things so far. Like, we both okay. had traumatic driver's ed classes, and okay, okay. and this. So, I think it's the and hopefully terrible the trips comparison to Tuscany. is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, as I've said many times, like, Korea. Every re- rewatch, I just love Cordelia more and more. So like, I love everything that she says and does. I guess. I, I guess I wouldn't love them if she were a real person saying those things to me, but yeah. in the show, like, she's so, so I, funny and she's so interesting and she grows a lot. You know.
0: Well, and it's funny so because maybe you'll I grow, grow like out of it too. A lot I'm of saying. it is like charisma Carpenter, but a lot of it is the writing that she mm-hmm. totally can nail. Because like, I think I recently sent you like a bunch of like screenshots of like various Buffy actors that popped up on Charmed. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. yes. I, for whatever reason, was, like, I need to, I was doing some project and I was, like, I need a show on in the background. Oh, look, Charmed is on Netflix. And then I was, like, just, like, speeding through, like, seasons just trying to see, like, if I remembered watching all of this. And spoiler alert, Charmed is actually terrible. Like, it has not okay. aged well yeah. at <laughs> all. But there's a shocking amount of Buffy characters that show up on it, <laughs> one of whom was Charisma Carpenter. And I was just, like, I mean, she's good, but, like man, she was just so good as Cordelia. Like, mm-hmm. that is, like, her defining role. And I think because she just really dialed it in from day one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even,
1: again, as they let her character grow, I think unlike some of the other characters, like, I think Angel kind of has, maybe not Angel, Xander has a hard time when he gets the dramatic arcs, but I feel like she handles those a lot better in the future. Yeah. You know, in, in Buffy and in Angel, when she has to, she can make that switch from comedy to, like, oh, but now this is something really tragic and... I feel like she's better at kind of adapting both sides.
0: Yeah. Um, also, summer plans. Miss Calendar went to Burning Man. Went to Burning Man <laughs> should surprise no think, one. <laughs> and that might be back it when was it was like still so good. Douchey. Like it wasn't yeah, like a, this was a little, tech playground.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess Principal Snyder's just been plotting how to get every student out of the high school.
0: <laughs> I yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so we're all ca- <laughs> ca- caught up with our characters now. So mm-hmm. um, so we could talk about Buffy's horrible attitude.
1: <laughs> Buffy's horrible attitude and that terrible sexy dance. Oh, my
0: God. I made a note Which to like, myself it- that Buffy comes back with, like, new clothes and new snark. Like, maybe yeah. she's mean.
1: And honestly, like, I don't know why that... <laughs> I keep saying it. and But, like, that dance scene, like, it sticks out in my memory. I... I think it's because... I think I feel for that... Well, they the put it in the that,
0: opening credits, so... Well, first of all, exactly. <laughs> it
1: haunts me forever, and they it takes forever for them to get rid of it. I'm mm-hmm. not even sure that it ever is out. It might still be there all the way through season seven. I don't know. Um, but, like, I think... I think the thing that bothers me about it the most is that it gives me that like cringe feeling that you get yes. when you watch like The Office and something awful is happening. You're like, stop doing but, this. But stop unlike doing The Office, this. it's
0: not funny. Like, exactly. so, like it's, there's not no funny. it's so there's no relief from the cringe. Yeah. It's just like I almost fast forwarded through it. Like I was just like, oh, me this too. is so hard to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so I hate it. But I think I mean. I mean, the flip side of that is, like, I hate it because it's very effective. That's exactly how everyone else in but the show so, feels, right? But it's so... Like,
0: Willow looks crushed. Like, she does. Buffy is Ugh. being just mostly of anyone who, about, like, this... Okay, like, obviously she's doing this to make Angel jealous. She mm-hmm. could care less about Xander's feelings, apparently. Mm-hmm. And poor Willow like who was supposed to be her best friend like this is the worst thing she's ever done to her and yeah especially from the last episode of seeing this great moment between Buffy and Willow where Buffy knows she's gonna go die and she takes the time to comfort Willow and you're like wow this is like they really care about each other and like here she's just like could not care like Willow is like about to cry watching this Mm -hmm. Xander just to his credit does not fall for this looks totally pissed off and especially when she does that horrible thing she's like Did I ever thank you for saving my life? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, Don't you wish I would? Like, oh my God. Like, that is so cruel. cruel. Like, just beyond cruel. And Buffy's not a cruel person. Like, we've seen her be kind of mean to Cordelia and like, Mm -hmm. but like, Like she can be sarcastic
1: and she's snippy, but not like taunting him for his feelings for her. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like, also, like, you see during the dance, like, Buffy kind of like, rolls her eyes like oh i know what <laughs> i'm doing this is like yeah, i'm bored yeah, with yeah. this like but like she's so mean it is mean oh. Ugh. but i guess then you know
1: again not not to always be this person but my sympathies to xander only go so far because he's doing the same thing to willow just a little bit you know less ostentatiously well but he's like, a
0: little more oblivious about tortured, it like you could argue t- that his actions are a little bit less like he's just unaware but like See, Buffy but that's, knows that's exactly the, what she's doing in this moment i think
1: that's my point about my earlier comment, though. They almost kissed. He can't be oblivious. He knew that he... There's no way you, you almost kiss someone, and then later are just like, totally forget about it. He knows, so... Well, maybe
0: he decided it was, like, like he a doesn't moment know the that passed. I don't know.
1: I don't... I just don't I'm not don't trying to be it. too no nice way. to Xander. I just feel yeah. like
0: one... I'm not saying they're
1: on the same level because it's more complicated, but, like, he really... He bitches about his feelings for Buffy all the time to Willow. You know what I mean? That's just as mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, except like, that you're
1: not allowed to point to it and say it's mean because it's like more underhanded. Like, not that I, I don't think he's doing it to be underhanded. I'm just saying it's like, they're equally cruel to everybody and also being in high school is the worst.
0: Well, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't miss like, this at all. <laughs> for one thing, like I always forget how long Willow basically has a crush on Xander for, like mm-hmm. how long it kind of burns in the background. Like I kind of mm-hmm. always thought of it as like a season one thing and like, fortunately i think we're heading towards the end of it but like mm. i mean and props to willow like she's not like she has this crush that she can't help but like she's not willing to sacrifice like herself for it like right, right. she doesn't let xander like stomp all over her she kind of calls him out but at the same time she does like when it's yeah this episode is like the apex of this like or maybe not even apex like what's the opposite of an apex and Nadir or like the bottom. Something. I don't know. <laughs> Nader. I okay, know what word pit. I'm trying to say. I just don't know how to say it. But okay, um it's like the bottom, the like the depths, yeah. yeah, of like the worst of like this whole like situation. Like mm-hmm. because you you really do. It's interesting, and I think we've talked about this before. You have three friends who are in this love triangle, mm-hmm. and every other person to the left of the triangle like doesn't want the person who has affection for them. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know like Xander likes. Um, Buffy but Buffy you know she's not even worried about this triangle and mm-hmm. you know Will Alexander and Xander doesn't want you know it's like there's no one yeah. in the love triangle that wants the person that likes them mm-hmm. so it's kind of crazy but like that should basically be like a like a, a huge obstacle to them even being friends like really Yeah. And you have to wonder if, like, all the, like, the monster slaying kind of, like, distracts them enough from that that it's kind of simmering in the background. And to to the show's credit, it's never really been in the forefront as, like, an important Mm -hmm. part of it. That's true. Until this moment when it's, I think, I mean, it's rough to watch. And, yeah, Xander's being awful. Like, Buffy's being awful. But, like, dramatically, it's gangbusters. Like, this really (laughs) is, like, a great way to use a very slow, simmering kind of... I mm-hmm. think, especially coming back in the first episode after a break, like, it's a great way to remind the viewers, like, oh, yeah, there's some, like, weird personal stuff happening between these characters. Um, but I guess what but is... Also, I, it's, it serves as a way, ultimately, of, like, I think kind of everyone's being so mean about this that you're sort of closing the book on this love triangle in a way. Like, uh, I think it's enough for Xander to kind of say, like, well, I mean, I he knows she's doing it to make Angel jealous, so... No, no, not like stopping having. No, I'm not saying Xander doesn't have feelings, but I'm saying like Xander's not going to try again. Like he can see that like Buffy's doing mm. this to make Angel jealous. Willow, I, guess, I would yeah. hope, is like done being treated like crap over this. And like it's as a show from the show level, it's definitely like step one of setting up like, well, we're going to be focusing on this Buffy Angel romance this season.
1: Fair enough. But I disagree so, with you about a lot of the rest of that. They're still in this triangle for a long time. I guess the other thing that I wanted to say, though, is that truthfully, it's just not that uncommon. I mean, that was true when I went to high school and definitely when we were in college. Like, people, you're friends with people who like someone who you're friends with, who likes you. Like, that's that's not un, that's not a weird situation at all, I think.
0: No, I'm not, no, I'm not oh, saying oh, okay. the situation is like,
1: Oh, okay. I kind of thought you were saying, like, no, oh, I would so...
0: No, I'm Sorry. saying, like, what I totally <laughs> buy the way they're doing this, but I'm saying, like, Got I'm not it. saying okay. it's over in that, like, Xander all of a sudden doesn't have these feelings anymore. I'm saying, like, from a show perspective, from, like, the action perspective, like, Xander's, like, mm. we're not going to get more episodes of Xander, like, actively pining after Buffy of, like, this is going to, you know, oh. like, I'm going to try to make a move on her or, like, uh, okay. A okay, Willow's okay, okay. not. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like everyone kind of comes to this place of, like, Moving on. Like, you still have these feelings in the background. But, like, from a show perspective, like, we're moving past this, like, initial triangle. Like, yes, it will impact actions in the future. Yes. Like, especially at the end of this season, like, you're going to kind of see some of this. But, like, it's going to be even more in the background, I think, than it was.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: But I'm saying, like, from this episode, like, this this particular scene, like, it's used very, very, very well. Yeah. Um, Also, God, I just, like, I... I keep thinking about it and I'm like, man, like Buffy's going to need to like, really do some nice things the next few episodes because <laughs> like, I kind of hate her right now. Like, I mean, you feel that yeah. it's like, she's obviously hurting and suffering, but like, God, this is like the ultimate of like, do not take this out on your friends. Like, she's well, just I mean, so I mean about it.
1: Going back though, that she's clearly suffering from, from post-traumatic stress, like Absolutely. That's that's what she's going through. So at the same time, like I don't I don't wanna give her a pass for the mean behavior specifically to her close friends, but like I do also feel like they're not equipped to deal with you know, like they but she's equipped to she has the skills, like the physical skills and Giles's knowledge on how to take down the master, but what nobody ever gave them was like, here's how to deal with the emotional fallout of dying or being close to death all the time. So like on the one hand, like i don't want I don't want to just give her a total excuse, but like it's not like anybody's helping her get through it. No, you know they, they can see no. that she's something is wrong with her, but they don't they also don't know what to do about it like. Her mom doesn't know what to but say to her. But she's also Giles not. Know what to say to her? She's
0: not asking for help either. Like she, she's also common too, like you know, adamantly pretending nothing's wrong. That's what
1: you do. <laughs> that's one of the. Symptoms. Well, absolutely, but
0: like right. also at the same time, like it's it's kind of one of those things of like people are not like we we're seeing all of it because we're from a vantage point of like we know everything that's sure. happening. But like think of it from a character perspective. Like you know something's wrong with your friend, but she's telling you she's fine like vehemently telling you she's fine in a way that like maybe every moment isn't that weird like it's only towards the end of the episode where they really start to realize like okay something's seriously wrong but at first it's like okay Buffy's being a little snarkier she's being a little like her right. insults have a little bit more of an edge but like it's not this huge cry for help until it's kind of a cry for help like it's like or just like maybe there isn't even ever a cry for help it's like from their perspective it's like you have to kind of walk that line of like recognizing something's wrong but like, if your friend keeps telling you it's okay, and I don't want to talk about it, like you also mm-hmm. have to kind of respect that, also. So, like, we're looking at it from like a bird's eye view of like we can see all the moving pieces. So like, it's easy to say like, Buffy's so clearly suffering, and her friends like don't even notice. Like, no, that's I, I guess though so my really bigger I, happening.
1: I think my bigger point is that, uh, and I didn't say this, but I think it's Giles who should know. Giles should know. He's the adult, and he's the one who's been through Watcher's training. Like, he should know.
0: Yeah, you know, but like he also here's the thing though, how many watchers are trained to deal with a slayer that died and came They're back not. to life? Like no, none. I know. ever. I guess so like I don't think I there so is watcher training for this.
1: Well, I I think even if that was a common occurrence, they wouldn't give that kind of training cuz they don't they don't care. <laughs> as we'll find out, they don't care at all about the slayers as people, they only care
0: about them as tools. But um Right, but like I don't think I, I, I don't blame Giles for not knowing how to deal with this because like this isn't a situation that knowing, he's... I'm just I guess what I do blame them
1: for is at the end of the episode, they're all like, well, this is great how we learned how much Buffy ruined that uh, plan, and we almost all died because of her. Like, that's not fair at all. At the end, and, like, Xander gives her this, like, if something happens to Willow, I'm going to kill you thing, which is, like, absolutely ludicrous. Like, get out of here, Xander. Like, she, they set a trap for her, and she fell for it. But, like, you can't, she didn't, like, she wasn't at home painting her nails, ignoring you guys. She was, like, trying to do this thing, admittedly, like, her heart wasn't totally in it, but, like... That's it's a weird attitude where it's Well like, I think
0: the one thing that they should no, be mad I about is. No, I think Xanders I think Xander I think said what, that because they they told her not to go because it was a trap, but she decided that she they was thought the it slayer was a trap and their opinion her. didn't matter. Yeah, mm, but it doesn't maybe. matter. Like it was a trap no matter what. And like she if she had not gone and been there, then like maybe it wouldn't have happened. Like, yes, it's a little bit unfair, but also there's an, a certain element of truth to it where, you know, they're arguing with her. Like, this is very clearly a trap. Why are you doing this? And she's just deciding that they don't matter, that their opinions are irrelevant because they're not the slayer. And she's really cruel when she tells them this. So, like, yeah, Xander's pissed. Like, she is cruel. No one here in this episode is in the right.
1: Okay. I feel like, but I guess my point is again, kind of going through all of this, that Buffy is in a singular position. She's the only one who can truly know what she's gone through, even th- though, you know, as the seasons go on, they're all going to be very close to her. But repeatedly, this is a thing that happens more than once, where she's, she is usually right about these things. Her instincts are almost never wrong. This is actually probably the only, only time when she goes and does a thing and is wrong about it. So it's like, she's not wrong to try and trust herself to know if, if that's what she should do or not so I don't it's not fair for them to put all of this on her the one thing that they should be mad about is the dance and they're mad about everything else which is like do you not understand that we're fighting demons and that they're tricky like I just don't I don't buy it I feel I like mean, that's and also I isn't don't think John, again, isn't on their sorry go ahead Well, I just, again, like, isn't that Giles' whole role is to orchestrate these things, so shouldn't they be blaming Giles? He's the one that should have, he's the one who misinterpreted the text. He's the one who didn't figure out what was going on until it was too late. That is his role. He's supposed to help her.
0: Yeah, but also Giles is currently unconscious, captured by vampires, so, like, I mean, like, he did suffer some consequences for this already.
1: I know, but I guess I'm just saying, again, at the end, they're all like, well, Buffy sure ruined that, but, like, they all ruined it. They all didn't know
0: what they were doing.
1: And they pin it on her. I mean, I Xander's
0: the only one actively blaming her. Like, everyone mm-hmm. else is unconscious. No,
1: because when she has a little, like, catch-up with Giles at the end about, like, how wrong everything went, he's like, yeah, he kind of doesn't, he doesn't say, like, yeah, you, you know, mistakes are going to happen. He's kind of like,
0: well, <laughs> Hmm. I mean, anyway. I don't, I don't think everyone's on their best behavior in this episode, and I kind of feel like everyone suffers for that in this episode, and I think... yeah. I'm happy with how it I resolves, just, like, obviously. That's true, like, but I hate Xander threatening are,
1: her as though he's done something different. It's just, again, kind of this whole, like, his season one attitude of, well, like, Well, Xander's Buffy, awful, we know this. take care of herself. <laughs> oh, okay, well, but when you when you argue back, I think you're defending him.
0: Well, I am slightly defending him because I think, like, he, okay, he's awful, but he also is partly right, but, like, he could go about it in a better way, but, like, I also at this point kind of feel like I just don't get that mad about Xander being terrible because, like, I just know it's gonna happen for, like, the uh, rest of time, so... Yeah, okay. like, But also, partly, he's not entirely wrong in that they did tell her not to go, like... It's true, but, like, a Threatening times- to kill Buffy is, like, ridiculous and, like, but also, it's kind of one of those things where it's, like, he's pissed, he just got beat up by vampires, they just took Willow and Giles, and he blames Buffy, and in the heat of the moment, he's saying awful things, but, like, also, yeah, he's okay. probably still really pissed she recently just tried to sexy dance with him to get Angel <laughs> okay. Dolls, so. Okay, like, I mean, okay. he's coming from a place of, like, anger already. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I guess
1: I just, okay. I still don't accept that it's her fault because typically when she goes against the gang to follow her instincts, she's right literally 99% of the time with this one time being the exception. She's never wrong. So,
0: yeah. I don't think well, it's, she's it's not also crazy not, that she's
1: ignoring them because the, sometimes they ask her to do things and they're not right. <laughs> yeah,
0: But I think the show's also making a good point of, like, in this particular instance, she's wrong because she's not thinking clearly like she's letting her emotions get too much in the way of it um I mean I I wouldn't even say her
1: emotions I think she's ignoring she's just ignoring so much
0: because I think yeah yeah. but because she's feeling a certain way um I do also like I think also we get a little more insight into her mental state because we see this dream sequence that obviously Mm -hmm. everyone else doesn't see which is kind of interesting and like you kind of see her her viewpoint of like maybe why she's so angry at all these people like she kind of seems to think like she died and Xander and Willow kind of sat by and did nothing and like mm-hmm. Giles didn't protect her and like it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting like it's a it's a dream sequence but it seems to be saying something yeah so kind of like Well she's I mean and also having nightmares is summer. one of the sim-
1: is another symptom of of PTSD right like she is reliving right. this thing over and over again yeah so, yeah, okay. Um, I guess I don't want to through what she's going through as just, like, over-emotional because I think that it's different, right? Like, she has actually gone through a trauma, and she is not, they're not dealing with it properly. And that's why she can't make good decisions. It's not because, like, she's not, like, as it, as it will happen in the future, sometimes she is just too excited or too, too much of a teenager to, like, see straight. But I don't think that the, that's not what, I don't think what's happening here. She's not over-emotional. Yeah. She's gone through a thing, and nobody knows how to deal with it adults included
0: right um no i mean yeah i mean i do kind of like that she lashes out at giles for like this whole thing being his fault because like did he really think burying bones in consecrated ground is be enough (laughs) that's
1: a great point i guess what i'm trying to say is everything is giles's fault
0: why didn't they pummel the bones too crisp in the beginning (laughs) let's stop arguing about buffy and xander it's giles's fault it's
1: giles's (laughs) fault Giles, you're the adult in this
0: situation. <laughs> um, um, I do think... Okay, like okay. we should really move on because... Well, we should. I did want to okay. kind of mention that this episode, in addition to being really awkward and, like, dark a little bit, is mm-hmm. also really funny.
1: It is, yeah. Um,
0: Xander does have some wonderful...
1: He does. I did write down a note about, like, Xander is pretty funny,
0: at least often. I I think maybe we could say Buffy's being a bitka. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um... Oh, also, also, I looked up, um, because this has always bothered me, that name of this episode, When She Was Bad, it, like, you know, usually the episodes are, are named after, they're, like, a, it's a saying, or it's a phrase, or it's a clear reference to something, and this one always just stood out to me. as like, what the hell does that mean? But I finally looked it up, and it's, there is a movie from the 70s by the same name that's about a stay-at-home mom who's, like, so stressed out and that she starts abusing her daughter, and then, like, her family and friends have and counselors have to, like, oh. help her recover, so... Mystery solved is so clear. Yeah. <laughs> also, I read a piece of trivia online that in the scenes that weren't actual flashbacks to things that had been filmed in season one, David Boreanaz was the one playing the master. Really? Like, I guess in the nightmare sequences then. Or like the in one makeup? in the graveyard.
0: hmm So like in that dream sequence? Uh,
1: yeah. I'll have to go back and wow. look at it closer. I, don't, I didn't verify that piece of trivia, but it was on the Buffy wiki, so, you know.
0: Huh. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I hmm they're like, well, you've already got half the makeup on. You're Let's just finish sure. <laughs> um, So I guess, so that was one quick question I had. Was Angel a series regular in season one?
1: No, he wasn't. Yeah, he is now. That's new. So,
0: mm-hmm. In um, the credits and everything. Yeah, that kind of gave me pause. I was like, I don't remember him being in the credits. Also, he's looking a little less bumpy when he vamps out. So mm-hmm. we've got our... Mm-hmm. our evolution of the vampire look yeah yeah
1: also i would just want to note on the i think pretty stark improvement on his acting skills yeah. <laughs> from season one to even the first episode in this one it's like he seems to have focused a little bit and gotten much better
0: maybe he took some classes over the summer <laughs> that's what angel was doing this whole time He's yeah. taking acting um, classes. No, but I think I that's the say, real thing,
1: though. David is you know, he didn't really have any much experience at all when they cast him, and he was still taking classes, so I don't think it's... It's not a coincidence that he got better. He was working at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I um—I do... Okay, so I want to just say definitively that, like, for me, winner of this episode is Cordelia. Like, Same. She's Always. the one, yeah. from the beginning, calling out Buffy's attitude. Oh, Totally. Like, like recognizing Mm -hmm. like essentially like she's like hey like I thought I had the monopoly on this like what Mm -hmm. are you doing you're gonna ruin your friendships like and it's interesting like you do see this continuing of like you know two episodes ago Cordelia kind of joined the little monster club but she's not Mm -hmm. really letting herself be friends with them Mm
1: -hmm. but then
0: she and she's still kind of holding herself apart from them but like she does kind of come up to them and talk to them and she's like hey do you kill any monsters and like But also, she's close enough, but yet far enough out there. Like, she's like, look, you need to, like, check yourself. Like, you're going to ruin these friendships that you have. Yeah,
1: yeah. Not that I care about them, but,
0: like, you know, you better, like, you know, stop acting like this. And, like, she's kind of, like, the voice of reason in this episode.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that goes back to to things that I was saying in season one is that I think Cordelia is really observant. She does know what's going on again. How much of it she's been ignoring and how much of it she's just learned to deal with, you know, in terms of like all the supernatural stuff is maybe an open question, but like pretty early on, it's clear that she knows she's paying attention to everything. So yeah, I think that it's like, she's more intuitive than the rest of Buffy's friends. And that like, I think partly it's because she's not so close to it, but I think, truly, I think that that is a thing that Cordelia is and continues to be good at, is, like, she's intuitive about what people are thinking and feeling. Like, she knows that something's wrong.
0: Yeah, and she's now paying more attention to this particular group of friends than she probably mm-hmm. was doing before. Um, well, and But she doesn't I, I like have this, because Im- it's, a, it's a really organic evolution of, like, how Cordelia kind of right. comes into this group of people. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, episode two. Okay, so... Yes, we did talk a little bit. About <laughs> we'll speed I mean, through like episode two, there's, there's not much to there. say. There's a <laughs> lot to unpack in that first episode and a little mm-hmm. less going on in this one. So, um, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, so some assembly required. So basic, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in this episode. I mean, you kind of get a little bit of, like, Buffy and Angel dancing around this romance that they've mm-hmm. got. Like, Angel's acting very jealous um, I do like the continuation from the last episode, though, because <laughs> yes, he's totally. acting jealous because of this dance that she did with Xander. Yeah. Like, and, they up, yeah, and they bring it up, Yeah, and they bring it up. Like, Willow brings it up, too. Like, Buffy's mm-hmm. still, like... She's not allowed to just get away with that behavior. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they understand why she was acting that way. They, like, forgive right. her. But also, like, there are consequences for what she did. Yeah. And one of the- those is that Angel is acting really jealous. And but the main thing that's happening is dead bodies are being taken from graves Mm -hmm. and um it turns out that certain parts are being kept but other ones are just being thrown in dumpsters and Mm -hmm. you know the first of course is a Sunnydale so they're thinking flesh-eating demon or zombies Mm -hmm. um but it turns out to be two students in the high school just trying to assemble the bride of Frankenstein essentially (laughs) um which and I don't know that they ever really point this out if it's if they're able to do that because it's Sunnydale, or if there's actual science that they're doing. Like, that's a little unclear. Uh,
1: I want to talk about that later. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. So, um, but they're doing this because the brother of one of these amateur scientists was killed (laughs) in a sky, like some kind of accident, bungee jumping, Mm -hmm. or I don't know what they said. Maybe just like... Car wreck or something. I don't know. I don't remember how he died. But he died a few years ago. Their mom's really upset over it still. And, like, turns out, like, he brought his brother back to life. And now the brother's getting lonely and wants a lady. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to build the perfect girlfriend for him. And they settle on Cordelia's head. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, they all kind of figure out what's going on and um, try to, you know, warn Cordelia. But um, Cordelia ends up getting kidnapped And then Buffy has to rescue her from basically decapitation and surgery and reanimation on the body of this patchwork thing. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. They save the day. Giles and Miss Calendar go on their first date. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, to a football game.
1: To a football Uh, game.
0: Yep. And Xander and Willow crash it, of course. Of course. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but there's really, like, that's basically it. So Mm -hmm. um, there's not a whole lot that, that really happens in this one. Kind of a now, nice breather. <laughs> it is. And yeah, so I think,
1: yeah, point number one, kind of like we touched on before, this is clearly kind of more of a filler episode. There's not much in the way of season arc or like season development that happens in it, but Except unlike... Except for the romance uh, element. Oh, fair enough. And and Angel and Buffy, I think kind of continuing, yeah. or beginning their relationship. Um, but unlike some of those more forgettable episodes in season one, like Never Kill a Boy on the First Date or I Robot Jane," like, or Teacher's Pet, this one is like it's totally watchable. It was still funny. It was still cohesive. You know, it was just a lot better. They just have clearly figured out a lot in terms of the show. I I feel
0: like the, the, the villain is a, well, it's like a three part villain here. We've got three people, Mm -hmm. Um, but the monster, like who's this reanimated dead guy, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting that you feel bad for him. Like, this is a whole Frankenstein story of like the Frankenstein mm -hmm. monster. Like it's a sad, tragic figure. So, um, you kind of like, except then he attempts murder, and that's, you know, kind of helps right. you get over that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting, like, this, this whole episode, this theme of what they keep saying is like, love makes you do the wacky. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you don't always act super rationally when you're, when you love someone. And, and, it, and it's expanded between like, you know, romantic love and also here, brotherly love and like love for like your family. And, you know, this, this kid loves his brother. Right. I and, think like, Chris that's is the what one drives really- him to like, Chris is the yeah. evil one who's like, let's no. just murder someone. What's no, the that's big Eric. deal?
1: No, no, no. Chris is the brother.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: Eric, Eric. the little annoying friend. I have a lot of things to say about him as well. No, but I think kind of going back, yeah, to like there is a lot of motivation. You do feel bad for Daryl, the monster, but also Chris. He's the one. Like he's not really doing anything that wrong it, 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 for eighty percent of the episode, right? Like they're it's creepy that they're using bodies, but they're not, killing, they're not killing. They're not killing anyone. Fair right. enough, but. <laughs> But you know what I mean. Though? Like he's not—he has no evil motivations. He's—he only brought his brother back because he loved him, and because he—his mother doesn't, you know, their mother doesn't love Chris. She only loved Daryl, or at least appears to. Um, so it's I like I think she he's loves him, but I think
0: she's like one of these parents who like mm-hmm. tragically lost a child and like can't focus on the kid that's living.
1: Right, but I—I I mean, so is neglig- completely negligent to him. I mean, he's also lost his brother, so. I feel like they yeah. painted as though she what doesn't care much for Chris. Chris is just as – and didn't care for him as much because he wasn't the football star. He was just a super science kid who was really smart and totally deserved love and accolades. Um, but, yeah, anyway, I guess I just think his his motivation is really complex. He's clearly dealing with a lot of, of his own baggage, and he's not doing it because – Unlike Eric, who just wants to like put together a girlfriend for himself, you know, Chris is only doing this to try and make his brother happy and to try and make his maybe one day make his mom happy. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, and and then when it comes down to it, he can't bring himself to kill someone. So I'm not saying it yeah. makes him a hero, but like he's not he's not e- evil. He's just caught up in a really terrible situation.
0: Maybe. Just executing a horrible plan, essentially. Executing a horrible plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have to wonder, is this our first human villain? Like, our first non-magical villain? Um, Like, I think even the witches don't count because, like, witches, right. like, that was kind of more magic involved. Um, but I think so. I think it's not like a... Yeah. Um, I think you might be right. Which is like, kinda, I mean, with, aside from the question of whether they're even able to reanimate him because of magic or because of science, but, like, we don't overtly have anyone casting spells or anything to, like, cause these events to happen. Like I mean, just, I think, oh, yeah. It's like two kids studying anatomy and trying to build someone.
1: And I mean, they I reference, think,
0: like, like the, that they're animating him with a current, so, like, they're using yeah, electricity. Yeah, no, I think it's not supposed to be supernatural.
1: I mean, I think it's hard to watch it and not think, like, it's probably has something to do with them being on the Hellmouth and that making these kinds of things easier. But I mean, they definitely established that Chris is very smart and you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the way they talk about it, they don't mention anything supernatural at all. I think it is supposed to be scientific.
0: I like how Willow's um, like, well, I'm definitely coming in second in the science right, <laughs> right, right.
1: I do think the thing that the other interesting part of that is that Chris must've been working on this for a long time because yeah. They make it clear that you can only reanimate the body within a very short time frame. So for his brother to have died and him to have done it, he would have already had to have a lot of this stuff worked out.
0: So well, I think they I guess maybe they he's not like mentioned that like he brought his brother back to life like pretty soon after he died because like obviously he's fully intact with his own head right. and everything. Um, but he's getting lonely. So no, that's I know, the but whole I- impetus for this.
1: Oh, I know that, but I'm trying to say that Chris had to have been working on reanimating bodies well before his brother died, because he couldn't have figured that all out in the short time that he had to reanimate him. Possibly. Um, but, yeah. Ugh. It's weird, though, that they don't name-drop Frankenstein at all in this episode.
0: No. But <laughs> they this make so like... many pop
1: culture references, like, how did they not... I guess it was just too on the nose that it's, like, it's literally Frankenstein. I don't know why they didn't mention it.
0: It's kind of like their own little version of it, so...
1: Hmm. Yeah, I guess they couldn't I don't know. If they name dropped Dracula, they hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I guess I guess the more uh interesting villain here in my eyes is Eric and his misogyny. Which yeah. again is kind of a like setting the stage for things that are gonna happen later. You know, this is not the first time that we're gonna see nerdy boys try and make girls for themselves. Um uh,
0: that is a trope that I mean yeah. I don't even want to call it a trope. There's like no, it's like one a more example, arc. but like our two, but like Yeah, this is a thing that, like... I mean, they're very... Commentary on, like, nerdy boys, like, who feel they deserve, like, a girlfriend, so they'll just make one for themselves. Criminality be damned.
1: Oh, right, okay. But I guess, again, I kind of mean... I meant it more in the way of, like... In the way that a lot of the stuff that we saw them kind of try out in season one gets rehashed later in more fully-fledged ideas. I think this is another thing that's, like, they're gonna be... The show is gonna revisit this. There's gonna be a whole season arc about... (laughs) <laughs> misogynistic men who feel owed things and go to any lengths to get it kind of yeah although again i would argue that chris doesn't really follow under that description is really only his friend eric who like from the beginning of the episode clearly thinks women are objects and is taking photos of them without asking permission doesn't care he even says like it's just one lousy girl when chris is like trying to say we shouldn't kill cordelia like he really is has no compass whatsoever like well his, honestly, his
0: moral like shading here like you know that it's a wash because you kill someone to create someone like that there's like you're basically karmic neutral like mm, i think
1: that's the veneer he's putting on it for chris i don't think that's what he believes
0: no he just doesn't care that he's he just a girl. Care. yeah
1: yeah because yeah, it's a girl yeah Ugh. but yeah this is just very reminiscent not reminiscent that's the wrong word but very foreshadowing of warren yeah i think eric is proto warren
0: he is for sure. Um, and kind of proto spike. Uh,
1: I'm not ag- going to agree to that at all. <laughs> um,
0: just trying to poke the bear. <laughs> you are,
1: and I'm not going to bite um, or poke or whatever. Uh, okay, so just a couple other quick notes that I had about this. Well, I miss mm-hmm. a little bit the super, whether or not this is supernatural, I do think it's pretty interesting because. Um, Mostly just because what is Buffy allowed to do in in this situation? Or I guess I just want to say for, like, people who haven't watched the show, you know, she's not supposed to deal with people that aren't... She's not supposed to deal with humans. Not that she can never deal with a human, because obviously humans are frequently wrapped up in these whole situations, but, like, she's not allowed to kill them the way that she is, quote-unquote, allowed to kill demons and stuff, you know? So do you think that's kind of interesting, like... Even if she had, I think got, she just she calls farther, the cops.
0: I mean, yeah. What else is she supposed to do? I mean, I mean, it's handy that like you know, the monster died. Hmm. But you still have to deal with his brother and the other guy.
1: Yeah. Um. But,
0: but yeah, can't but I kill guess him. no, she just knocks right.
1: him out. No, I know, but I'm just saying that is interesting because yeah, this is kind of it's supposed to be a monster of the week episode, but truthfully, it's not a monster, and she or most of the people aren't monsters, and she can't really do.
0: She but can't finish
1: the job, nor would she, nor would she want to. But
0: they don't really mention that, that that's a conundrum don't. for her in this episode. Like,
1: No, I guess that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, yeah. you're right. Like, it is yeah. kind of
0: a question, but I think it never really comes down to her wondering whether she has to kill him. Like, they, they spend so much of the episode trying to even just figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know give the episode another half hour and maybe she's starting yeah, to question, like, what am I allowed to do here? Like, because he is a person. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I guess the other
1: bigger point about kind of where this sits on the supernatural spectrum, and, and I think this applies to the first episode too, is that I think that's one of the reasons why season two is going to kind of veer off and become really great, you know, is that a lot of the episodes here and in season three as well, like, there's so much better about layering in the real world problems with the supernatural yes. and so it's like it really does feel like like it, again like in that first episode is there this little vampire plot going on in the background yes but the real story is about Buffy being traumatized and all of her friends as well being traumatized so like what they're really dealing with there is like yeah is emotions and like mental health not a monster so it's not even really that the monsters are a metaphor for it in that episode either well mm, I, they're more so the impetus for it but like it's really about a real world issue, as as is I think in this one. Truthfully, I feel like I do feel like misogyny is kind of the like unnamed monster in this episode. It,
0: you yeah, know, it's because the, brother, with like the, the dead the, brother the and least, Eric. Yeah,
1: think that they're owed this thing. They think that they deserve it. And like even when he com- when it comes down to it, Daryl, when he kind of says what he wants, you know, he doesn't want someone it, the way that he describes it. It's not even like he's like, oh, I just really need to feel loved. He's like. His plan for her is to like lock her up in isolation with him. You know, like it's not he doesn't want something like well-rounded and happy. He just like doesn't want to be literally doesn't want to be alone. Like it's not even like he's he's not seeking love. He's
0: brother build him a sex toy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay, so those are my that's how I'm tying these two episodes together. I do think that they are, and I was gonna say that oh like oh what's unique about these episodes is how little supernatural is involved. But I think that that's not unique to these at all. It's gonna be true for a lot of this season.
0: No, they've certainly learned how it works to do the metaphor and how it doesn't. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we've seen some bad examples and, you know, towards the end of the last season started to see them kind of like figure this out. And parts of why seasons two and three are so good is because, you know, the high school metaphor works in a way that the real world sometimes did, but didn't always. Mm -hmm. And, but they've really like, they're getting very specific about, like, what we're actually focusing on from episode to episode, and, like, Mm -hmm. tying it in in really clever ways, and it's just, yeah, like, it's fun to watch, like, really good writing, like, figure itself out, so I think we're starting to see the beginning of that. I mean, we're talking about an episode that, like, we just said was, like, you know, a few minutes ago, like, maybe, like, a throwaway episode, like, Mm -hmm. kind of self-contained, but, like, yeah, there's still a lot to, like, I think so there's a lot applaud to applaud here, in like it, yeah. well, yeah, but there's a lot of applaud about like the success of like using this like metaphor of like, sure, they're, st- they're stealing heavily from Frankenstein, but mm-hmm. you <laughs> fair enough, yeah. but also kind of adding some modern day themes to it too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I think uh, these are two strong, pretty strong episodes.
1: Yeah. So, um, so just a couple other uh, age related trivia notes. Is that okay. uh, so? In this episode, you know Giles goes on his date with Miss Calendar, and also P.S. I have such a hard time not saying Miss Calendar. <laughs> I always want to call her Calendar, and then I think I like oh, overcorrect, like her name's not Calendar, like a calendar, but it totally is. Um, Is it I anyway? Think it is, yeah. No, it is, but I always want to say Calendar, like what you rinse vegetables in. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a hard time getting it out correctly for some reason. I don't really know why, but yeah. So she. Um, you know, they make a, a joke about how, like, well, obviously she's the one that Giles is interested in because she's the only person in his age bracket. But, like, that actress yeah. is definitely not in his age bracket. She no. was only She's the same age as
0: Cordelia. And she's only a couple years she's older than Willow in and Buffy. in his age bracket in the universe of the show. <laughs>
1: right. But it's just, like, it's funny. I mean, even looking at her, it's like, she, she does look pretty young. You know, I think they dress her a little bit. To age her a little bit with, like, her makeup, but mostly... It's just kind of funny. Also, I looked it up, and that actress, it used to be a dancer for Prince. Yes, yes. that I didn't know. Yeah, um, but I love Miss Calendar. But anyway, she's the same age as Cordelia, so.
0: Well, I, I mean, Cordelia is like like Charisma Carpenter is definitely like she's yeah pushing the limits of like believability of like you know being in high school. high school, but true. Eh, I'm used um, to that with teen shows. Exactly, but the other—that's why is people that this think is, I look eighteen because I'm the same age now as all these actors playing teenagers exactly. on TV. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but this is also the episode where we find out how old Angel is,
1: or at least he stated it clearly. He said that he's two hundred and forty-one one.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: That's not really trivia about the background. that's just a thing that's happening in the foreground.
0: well I think we're starting to get more angel as angel, like not as a potential um enemy or like a we don't know how we're supposed to treat you like you mm-hmm. know it's kind of unsaid, but like he's sort of quietly like in that the in in the last episode of season one you know he showed up to help and like proved himself like helpful and valuable and like, mm-hmm. a good source of information and um, you know he and Giles kind of had this moment where they're working together and so I think we're carrying on with that of like he's kind of just like quietly on the sidelines joining this group and like mm-hmm. it's not even like you know kind of saying like yes it's for Buffy because he wants to be around her but also like he's here to help the Slayer do her job mm-hmm. um, but he's not you know he's kind of on the fringes like you know I think um, he's not like fully part of the gang but he's there to help so. mm-hmm. um, although he, in this episode not so much like he he shows up looking for Buffy at the school and finds Cordelia when she finds the bodies in the dumpster mm, true um and then here at the end he kind of just shows up like I heard something happened are you okay like you know it's just kind of like in this episode he's mostly there for Buffy not in a helpful capacity in like a jealous boy capacity (laughs) yeah (sighs) Uh. but yeah Mm. Um, okay yeah so that's these first two episodes and I think you know gets me really excited for the rest of the season me too yeah
1: especially because the next episode is school hard
0: (sighs) oh boy Uh, guess who's coming to town (laughs) Ah! yay oh cannot cannot wait oh I can't wait either like I mean, should we say? Because like, Yeah, I feel like, we should, because yeah, I mean, why
1: are we being cryptic I think, all the time think, when we say we do spoilers?
0: <laughs> I think that you should
1: say, Jenny. I'll give you a Okay, the well, the next episode is going to feature is the introduction episode of Spike, who I've been teaming, team spiking him this whole time, even though he hasn't been in the show yet. So it's also just a fun episode. So I'm, I'm very excited. Then he'll be in the show. He'll be in the show from then on. Maybe not yes. 100% consistently, but he's going to be there for a
0: while. And I think we're <sighs> almost done with... The Anointed Ones arc as well, yes. which is exciting. Yes. Although Thank then you won't get to see him in his cool little turtleneck anymore. No. <laughs> I will not miss
1: him even for a second. He ended that episode by being like, I hate this girl. And I was like,
0: good, because I hate you too. Like, why do you get the tag? Like, that's like... Why, yeah, why did he? You beyond your pay grade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, cool. So, yeah, we've got Schoolhard and then also Inca Mummy Girl, which mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, that's- I think, a pretty good Monster of the Week one in its own right, mm-hmm. and also we get to meet another character that comes to stay for a while, so that's exciting.
1: Oh.
0: Um, yeah, we'll let that one be a surprise. Okay. Think, um, I'd have to think about it. Anyone watching will figure that one out. Yeah. Oh,
1: um, I know who it is. Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. You know. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, cool. So um, <clears throat> have you, in the one or two weeks since we've last been... Uh, on the air, have you discovered any new cool pop culture that you want to share? Um, I do. And this
1: was one I wanted to say last time actually, so it's not a new discovery um for me, but what does that matter to anybody here who hasn't heard me talk about it? I just caught up and this is at the recommendation of one of my friends. Um I caught up on Superstore, the show that's on NBC oh, with America Ferrera. Oh, okay.
0: Ferreira. I've heard good things about that.
1: It's good. It's very good. I it's the, you know, it's it's got that traditional like the first season is short and it's you know has some hits and some misses but by the end of the second season I'm like I'm really excited to watch it for it's 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 got renewed for a season three that's got a comedy
0: schedule I think yeah and it's very you know it's not comedy to really get going
1: yeah exactly it's not I don't think Michael Schur is involved in all but it's at all but it's that very like NBC kind of workplace style parks and rec you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine feel to it, even though it's in a different setting and with different characters. Although, one of the kids, one of the guys, I don't know why I call him a kid, one of the guys from um, Parks and Rec who plays one of the animal control guys, like the two guys that are always stoned, he's one of the main characters, and he's super hilarious. Um, and America Ferreira is good, and then it also stars the the guy from Mad Men who uh, cut off his nipple and mailed it to Peggy.
0: That very, He's like very, one of the writers. Um, one of the writers. Yeah, yeah. One I know of who the you're ad writers. About. I'm sorry. I forget yeah. his name. I forget um, his name too, but he he's was the briefly main. on a sitcom with. Right. Or I don't know if it was, you would even call it a sitcom, but with the girl who played the mother on her. Right, army, right, her right. Mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So he got a new role in this, and he's really funny. Everybody's really funny, and it's like,
0: you know, it's charming.
1: It's, it's totally got that. Like, everybody seems to really like each other, and it's a good ensemble cast, and it's also like in a setting that you don't see a lot on TV you know like they work in basically a Walmart and they deal with uh, not always realistically but they like deal with the kind of everyday things that happen there and also just the interstitials between as they transition from scene to scene are always just customers doing like really weird things in the store and they're hilarious and also like you're, I'm sure that somebody worked in a retail store and is like these are all things that really
0: happened Speaking of NBC comedies have you watched any of Great News? No, I haven't even heard of that. Oh, really? It's so. Yeah. it's Tracy Wickfield um, is the creator of it, mm-hmm. but I think Tina Fey might be producing it. And oh, uh, okay. Um, she used to write on Thirty Rock, and she wrote for Mindy Project, and it's like this um, show about like a newsroom. It's like no. kind of wacky I, I, humor. Like I, I vaguely Rock knew a that. Little bit.
1: Yeah, I knew that Tina Fey had some other project, but I don't. I didn't know that was it. You've been watching it?
0: Well, I, yeah, I have. It's, it, you know, it's a comedy, so it takes time to get going, and it's, mm-hmm. like, it has its moments that are funny, but it's also kind of one of those things where I just kind of put it on and go about whatever I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, it has an actress from Love that I mm-hmm. talked about a few weeks ago um, mm-hmm. who was pretty funny on that show, and she's, like, the main character on this one. Um, oh, okay. And it has, like, this British guy that I cannot place him. I want to... Say he might have been in undeclared, but I really need to check that because <laughs> okay. I, don't I don't know why I'm too familiar. I haven't <laughs> watched that in forever, so I really don't know if it's the right guy. I've seen him on something, but but that is not the pop culture that I want to um, to plug. So oh okay, uh, no, I just was bringing it up because like you NBC I like, comedies, oh, yeah. Like I feel like NBC's really, you know, they used to be like comedy powerhouse, and they're just like really struggling now to like. Mm -hmm. have shows that people want to watch because like everyone just wants to watch like the bachelor so or everything um, that's on netflix yeah or abc is doing okay i guess but Mm
1: -hmm. um anyway so non
0: shonda shows but um (laughs) so i really i this is a show that i got it's on netflix i got into it a couple years ago and just I never came back to it for some reason but I started watching again and that's chef's table and it's oh, yeah, um, you mentioned that before you know they follow like a high profile chef around talk about how they got into cooking and their restaurant and it's interesting because like I'm pretty into like food and cooking but like the chefs that they're talking to like these fine dining chefs like it's really not a style of eating that I'm into like mm-hmm. it's very composed very to me like I get they all think they're trying to, like, do the best thing with the best ingredients and, like, the purest distillation. But, like, I look at these plates and I'm just like, no, this looks completely artificial. And, like, I don't really (laughs) want to eat this. And, like, why are you putting caviar on everything? Like, how boring. But, like, but at the same time, like, these episodes to me are, like, riveting. Like, talking about the process of, like, the mindset when you, like, work with food and, like, how it can be, like... Really relaxing and like you just focus and like all this and I'm just like yes yes like I totally get this and like you know I'm not putting out like you know I'm not decorating a plate with like tweezers you know what I mean like I'm <laughs> not that careful but like you know in some of it they're putting on I'm like I these restaurants sound amazing and then I see the dishes that are coming up and I'm like well I can never eat there because like it's all raw fish or like you <laughs> know um, but or you know or like ash covered something or. Like beets, or you know, it's like the foods that like I just like want to run away from. I mean, but I also wonder, like, Uh, if I went to one of these restaurants, would I just kind of put that aside and just go for it? But I, I don't know. I, it would Mm. be really embarrassing to go into one of these restaurants and start gagging on a piece of raw fish. So, (laughs) not to mention a huge waste of money. But, but it's really interesting to like, because they all come from like different backgrounds. Like, I'm still on season one, so like, there's been an Italian chef and a couple American ones and a Japanese-American female chef, which was really interesting, and, um, you know, an Argentinian chef, and, like, you know, I, just, like, where they all kind of come from, and, like, they all seem to be told at one point or another, like, you're not very good at this, or, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just, like, a really interesting character study and also kind of looking at, like, what's considered great in the world of food and um, kind of the arbitrary nature of, like, how these decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. to me that's what I'm taking from it so mm-hmm. um, I don't know it's really fascinating like I would say if you're into food and cooking and or any interest in like restaurants around the world and what's happening like it's worth checking out mm-hmm. it's also like a very calming show to watch yeah know? like in the, the way that documentaries often relaxing. are like yeah. it's just very like yeah it's actually kind of hard to watch late at night because I just like fall asleep <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, so well, I, would, I would recommend that
1: okay you're also making me really hungry <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm actually starving. So, (laughs) on that note. On that note. Yeah. All right, well,
1: we'll be back next week. Uh, And I'm Mm -hmm. still a solid team Spike, and I can't wait for him to be in next week's episode.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, God, I feel like everyone behaves so badly in these two episodes. I just, like... I can't really say I'm Team Jealous Angel. That sounds awful. No. So I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain this week okay. from declaring a okay. team allegiance. What about Miss um, Calendar? Well Okay, you know what? I guess I could be Team Jenny calendar because okay. you know, she asked Giles out. She took the She does. She's to super like, cool. Yeah. Also apparently Mexican food is like date food. I didn't know this. So <laughs> I don't know that I've no, I guess I've gone on dates to Mexican <laughs> restaurants, but They kept bringing it up. It was weird. Um, Anyway, on that note. Anyway, um, all right. I guess I'll talk to you next time. All right. See you later. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our
1: theme music is from the album
0: Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast. You can also find
1: our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.